Welcome to this special edition of the Best of Fives. This is the first in what we're hoping is a long series, a sub-series, if you will, of the Best of Fives, which we are calling the Best of Bond. This was the brainchild of Smitty. Smitty, say hi. Hello. I'm Dave, and we're also joined by Steve. Hi. It's uh, God, it's great to be a part of this family now. Yeah. So this is kind of like a... Uh, this is like a, an Avengers kind of thing. People coming from other podcasts to join this one. Because Smitty is a is one of the founders of NeoZaz and on shows like the Trailer Park Boys and some of the other original NeoZaz shows. I'm on Star Wars in character and I used to be on some other crap. And Steve on Spoon, the Tick podcast. That's right. Although I should mention that 20th Century Fox also has the rights to a different version of me. <laughs> really? So- don't let that confuse you. All right. I won't. I won't. So on this so podcast, you've you got different the- hair and you're played by a different actor, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird continuity thing, but that's <laughs> If you have listened to the best of fives before, it's not rocket science. It's a list show. But this is going to be a series of lists all about uh, one of the greatest cinematic characters of all time, James Bond. Now, Dave, you Smitty, excuse me. I might slip into Dave. <laughs> well, it's kind of, it's it's hard to confuse here when we're talking to each other. It is because there's two Daves, so it's always been a problem. I blame myself because I was second. <laughs> um, but Smitty, uh, this has been something that you've wanted to do for years, really. Now, um, started with an idea um, in the vein of Star Wars and character, and Indiana Jones and character doing James Bond and character. Um, how did you end up settling on this? Yeah, uh, I had approached you guys about doing the a James Bond in character a couple of years ago, and uh, I I got the template from Matt about the or maybe one of you guys about the the in character template, and I I got all the movies and I watched all the movies, and I started picking out some characters, and I picked a first character and I kind of went through the template with it, and it just just didn't fit, you know. Even though this is probably the character with the most movies behind them, I would think Um, it's not the same as something like star Wars or Indiana Jones, where someone has gone through and given all of the characters in it, a backstory. So James Bond does not have the kind of expanded universe that any of these other. Right. I mean, things have, you could go into the books because of course the movies are different from the original novels. Um, but even then, some of the characters are completely different or not even there because they were invented for the movies. Um, okay. And so I don't know that there's and, – and if there is a bunch of expanded stuff, I haven't read it and didn't take the time to read it all. So uh, there's not like – talking like James Bond Jr.? Right, right. <laughs> and, not really up on that part of the mythos. Not quite. So. Uh, though I did watch the original Casino Royale. Um <laughs> but um and there is like uh you know like wikipedia there is a a james bond wiki type of page um mm-hmm. but again it's like here's this character here's a basic summary of them here's who played them end of story so um it doesn't lend itself as well to spending a half an hour talking about you know a minor character right so yeah, I guess if it's not if it's not a character from the original Fleming novels, it's just going to be someone that's passing through a scene in a screen, or maybe have a short character arc in a, in a film, and people aren't giving it the attention that they are these other, you know, legendary titles, right. Uh, yeah. And so, so I, I, I wasn't able to figure out how to make it fit the in character format. I think we would have had to have a lot more padding like, like trivia games and things like that. Not that that's padding, but a lot of other content in the show. Um, and that, which would have made, it would have changed the dynamic a little bit. So I kind of sat on it for a while. And then in the meantime, this best of fives thing came out and I started listening to those and, and I started doing a couple with, with people and I thought, Hey, you know, and I kept looking at my library of James Bond films and thought, oh, you know, this might be the perfect way to do this because we can jump around and touch on different topics and, you know, discuss the things that we want to discuss at the length we want to discuss them and not have to pad it out for a whole episode of something. Right. 
Well, great. I'm glad yeah. that this is this has happened because uh, you know it, it does lend itself very well to that. So this will be the first installment in the best of fives colon the best of bond. Um, Davey said you wanted to just uh, for our listeners get a, a short background on where we're coming from as far as Bond. Steve, you are to me the biggest Bond fan that I know. Um, how did you be? How did you get this way? Uh, gosh, well, I guess it began when my parents died in a tragic climbing accident when I was just a child. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't be laughing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, that's that's not true at all. Um, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I thought you knew that. I would I would have to say that my um, I was a latchkey kid, and my mom was dating a guy, and he had a really sweet car. I believe it was a Saab. And he was a cool bachelor dude. And he had um, he had like the 20th anniversary James Bond music CD in his car. And when we would be driving around, he would play that wonderful theme, that Monty Norman theme. And uh, it might have put me through puberty, actually, listening to that song. I became a man and insisted hearing it over and over again. And then that made me want to see all the movies. Got them all. I think I taped them off of TV. Does TBS still do those? No, that's that's TBS moved on, I guess. Somebody does a Bond, like an all-day Bond kind of thing. I don't know if it's like AMC or something. Probably Spike TV. Uh, Steve, real quick. Something happened with your microphone. You're not sounding quite as clear. I'm sorry. There we go. Does that help at all? Yes, much better. Okay, where was I? My parents died in a tragic climbing accident. And and you and you mentioned something about how you became a man in a car with a with a with another dude who used to drive you drive you around. It was really kind of dodgy. Yee. Okay, let me fill in the gaps there. Mom's boyfriend. That's what he said. <laughs> cool guy. Played the music. I like to listen to the music over and over again. And uh, uh, in short, I'm I'm all man. <laughs> You're all man. Then taping all those all the movies off TV, and then I would rewind the VHS because this was pre-internet and I would write down the lyrics to all the songs. Uh, so that was my, I was going to say backdoor introduction to it all, but no, I don't want to use that phrase at all now. Yeah, you should probably stay away from that word, especially after the story, the guy in the car. Yeah, let's just scrap the whole thing and say that um, I uh, was on set and became a big fan. There you go. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned the music because even when I was making these lists today, I can't wait till we do a show about the music because that is to me the greatest thing about the bond movies. It's the music. And you and I, Steve used to work at well, more than one movie theater together. But when we were the second theater that we worked at, we were basically running the theater. You would work the day and I would work the night and we would play movie music all day. This is when we could choose our own music and the people in the auditoriums, whether they wanted to or not, they were listening to a lot of bond music when we were there. Mm hmm. And the, you know, the uncensored version that had all the (laughs) F-bombs. Yeah, right. (laughs) What about you, Dave? So I I think I was in junior high school and uh, seventh or eighth grade. And a friend of mine, I was, I was over having a, you know, hanging out at his place up in his room and he had had a little TV in his room. And this is like luxury, like nobody I knew had TV in their rooms, right? And they had HBO, like. Cable, much less HBO, was a big thing. Wow. Um, and he had that wired into his room. And so uh, one night we were watching TV and uh, along comes uh, For Your Eyes Only. I had right? never seen a Bond movie before. I think uh, maybe by that time I had read a Mad Magazine parody of this movie. I know I have. Uh-huh. I think I still have that issue of Mad Magazine, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, for Her Thighs Only, it was called. <laughs> Of course. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's like, and so that was uh, my first bond was Roger Moore and that's who I grew up with. And then as you get older, go back and go through the, the Sean Connery stuff and, you know, opinions change about who's your favorite bond over time. And I remember when I was working at the theater with you, when the Timothy Dalton ones came out. Or at least I was working at the theater. I'm pretty sure you were there, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Um, mm-hmm. And I and like everyone was like, "Oh, Timothy Dalton, he sucks." But I remember one of the women working there was like, "Oh no, no, he's the only Bond I would, you know, I find attractive." I'm like, "What, really?" <laughs> so, you know, and then he's not just a piece of meat, okay? <laughs> right, Haley. He's the, 
He's the dark-haired Sting. Leave him alone. <laughs> you know, Mad Magazine would revisit that parody with Tomorrow Never Thighs. Oh, <laughs> would they? Golden Thighs. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> don't forget, you only live Thighs. <laughs> thighs. <laughs> Thigh fall. <laughs> Diamonds are forever. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, where, where are we? Well, I, I think of the three of us, I am going to be the uh, wild card in this series because although I do really enjoy James Bond and I have seen them all, I am not nearly the devotee that the two of you are. So my lists are going to tend to be very different than yours. Um, and, and I know just from making these first couple that we've made, that's the case. Um so it's going to be interesting to hear the difference in opinions, and I feel like mine's going to be, uh, as the casual fan, um, very very different from your from the two of you. Well, that'll be very exciting. Yeah. And and let me let me just add that um, I, I I work at a at a, a small theater now, a two screen place here in Bethlehem. That's uh, you know like an, an Indian art house kind of theater, but they show a lot of stuff in rep and they'll have, you know, retrospectives, Sinatra movies, Bond movies, that kind of thing. So I have, I presented a couple of lists like this in front of the live audiences there with my comedy writing partner, who's actually a bigger Bond geek than I am. And he wanted me to do a list of top five Bond girls. And I really let him down when I said, Cigar Girl from The World Is Not Enough. (laughs) <laughs> who is just kind of this dark haired enchantress who leads him on the chase, you know, in the pre title sequence. And then yeah, no, the one, no more to do the one that blows up in the hot air balloon. Exactly. What's wrong with her? <laughs> he just didn't feel she made it into a top five of iconic sex pots. And you know what? He's right. It'll be interesting. I, when I we apologize do for that. Choice. Girls. I was thinking about that today and how I would rank them. That is a definite another list. Maybe uh, you're talking about Ryan. Yes. Maybe he could, uh, you know, sit in on an episode with us. He would love to do that, actually. All right. Well, should we get started with our uh, with our first one? Let's please. All right. So Dave has selected a few, and we are going to start with the best five Bond henchmen. And when you said henchman, I assume this is what you meant because this is what I do with my list. You did not mean the the main villain. You did not mean Blofeld and in, in that vein. You meant what it is called a henchman. Right. Is that, am I correct? Exactly. Okay. Very good. Um, I guess I'll go first. A minor boss in video game speak. <laughs> is that what they're called? The ones you have to beat to get to the main boss. Yeah, you know, the, the 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 soda popinskis of the, the game, level boss of the, yeah. of the movie. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go first if that's okay with you guys, um, because my lists. I'm telling you, you're going to be. I'm going to hear you shaking your heads. <laughs> well, you know, don't assume. I, I've listened to some Bond podcasts, and you can't assume that people who like Bond like the same things out of it. It's really varied. So, you know, okay. fire away. Well, that's good. My number five henchman is not a henchman, but a henchwoman. And it... Stop. <laughs> I quit. I'm never doing this again. <laughs> See, I told My number five is Mayday, played by Grace Jones, mm. in A View to a Kill. Nice. He was the man at the Eiffel Tower. This is one of the first Bond. It's like kind of like what Dave said. Like, uh, you know, I didn't see a Bond movie. The first movie I saw was For Your Eyes Only and then started watching them from that point on. And I remember seeing A View to a Kill as, a, I don't know, 13-year-old. It came out in like 86, right? 86. Sounds about right. Um, and 85. 85, okay. And I remember vividly being scared to death of Grace Jones. Just because she's Grace Jones. She is insane, this woman, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's a real scary spice. <laughs> she ain't that she is. Um, I mean, I don't think she knew that, that she was even in, in a movie. <laughs> right. This is just Saturday for her. <laughs> yeah. I think she was just running around like she thought this was like her day. Like, I think that was the case with her because I had seen her in, in this and I had seen her in Conan the Destroyer. And I was petrified of this woman. 
Um, I'm not even saying she's a great henchman. She, she actually does a kind of a little bit of a character arc in that movie because she is um, Walken's, you know, Boba Fett, if you want to call it that. And then he leaves her to die with Bond. And she kind of has this like uh, flip flop for, you know, the very few last minutes of, of her life where she actually helps Bond escape, which is I can kind of appreciate. Um but it's mostly just because it's Grace Jones. And I remember seeing her in anything else. Then she's in that much. But I remember her being in Boomerang with Eddie Murphy a couple years later. She always plays the same. She plays Grace Jones. Mm-hmm. And it's frightening. Like, like seriously. <laughs> so Mayday is my number five. Not, you know, in the pantheon of Bond henchmen. But for me, I had like a visceral reaction to this woman as a, as a teenage boy. And she's my number five. Sounds All good, right, Steve. What about you? Uh, well, I, I no, I, I have to agree with everything you said there. She is not on my list, but well defended, Dave. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to go for my for my number five. Uh, when I say to you, weird looking character actors, I'm sure you're thinking of Vincent Chiavelli, much mm-hmm. like me, the late. This is a guy that if you know, if listeners don't know. Uh, is that guy, he's in everything and he looks really weird with his sad eyes and he's very tall and gaunt. And in Tomorrow Never Dies, he plays Dr. Kaufman. I am a professor of forensic medicine. Believe me, Mr. Bond, I could shoot you from Stuttgart and still create the proper effect. Who's one of these uh, very coldly clinical hitmen, you know. To me, killing is a science. That guy, yes. That guy, yes. Um... I think he, he teaches, he's like the henchman to the henchman because he taught the one guy, you know, like the art of how to inflict pain right. or something like that. And uh, he's dispatched far too easily for the, being this mastermind. He does not see that uh, the, uh, the taser embedded in Bond's cell phone, which is he's able to be immobilized and then shot in the face. We're supposed to like spoil all these movies for people too, right? I, I think the two week limit is up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> so, uh, I you combine uh, a terrifically cast uh, character with um, a funny accent, and I think he might even have. Uh, does he have a deformity, or am I thinking of somebody else? I don't think he does in this. His deformity he, is poor common sense. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is so great. He doesn't need anything but to just be himself. Uh, I, he, he's great. Every time you see him, it's like you said, when he pops up in like Cuckoo's Nest or, mm-hmm. or um, he's in the beginning of Amadeus. Like I remember these things that he's in, he's in ghost. Like he's the guy that teaches Patrick Swayze how to be a ghost. That and fast times Richmond. He's the uh, teacher, the, the anatomy teacher. That guy kills it every time. What is he? You said he's dead. He, yes, he did. He did die uh, some years ago. Um, Oh, let me add one more thing. I forgot this, that he has just killed Terry Hatcher in Tomorrow Never Dies, Good. which is yes, which is surprisingly <laughs> moving, I think, given that she, she managed to be in Bond's past and survive then, only to get mixed back up with him and then dead. Good. I can't stand her. And it was not a great she's, role either. She's brutal. <laughs> she really is. I, I take back everything I just said and I'll be quiet now. <laughs> That's a good choice. I forgot all about him. I forgot he was even yeah. in in any of these. That's a good choice. And he, I was just all thinking. All right, I think I win this round. <laughs> he looks like uh, like Christopher Lloyd and Stephen Wright had a child. <laughs> <laughs> he does. And away with a one liner. <laughs> now I'm picturing that. Except he's older Ooh. than them both, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, Steve. Well done. What about you, Smith? All right. So my number five is actually a double, uh, but it's a, it it goes to get, they go together because they're they're always in the scene together and they kind of act as one. And it's uh, from Diamonds Are Forever, Mister Wint and Mister Kid. The Scorpion, Mother Nature's finest killer, Mister Wint. One is never too old to learn from a master, Mister Kid. God. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. Yeah. So <laughs> it's. I kind of like, I mean, I really like their 
character in this. And even though, I mean, one of the guys is not even an actor. He's a jazz musician. And so the, the deliveries are not the best all the time. But the idea of these characters, this like two assassins who are kind of always t- speaking to each other by the last name, by Mr. Kid. Oh, Mr. Wint. You know, it's a very proper kind of relationship they have. And, but it's, and, and they're always kind of very jolly about what they're doing kind of deadpan jolly while they're like killing somebody or planning to kill somebody. And I think I've seen that pair of characters in other stories and whether they were influenced by this or vice versa. I think I I love this archetype of the two sort of jaunty, you know, pair of, of assassins who hold hands, hold hands. Yes. And I, I wasn't, I kind of scanned through the movie today prepping for this and there's one line in there that really kind of really does hint that they are a couple um they're like they get on a plane together and and one of them turns to other says well she's attractive for a lady really groundbreaking (laughs) so uh yeah the the, just the idea of this this type of character pair uh is very funny to me and then they get drug off a plane yeah because they wouldn't, they wouldn't go on uh, standby. <laughs> and then they, they did All have right. a pretty good death, and that kind of helps with the henchmen. Um, they they were trying to assassinate Bond with a bomb in a in a, a baked Alaska, and uh, you know mm-hmm. he figures out who they are because he recognizes the guy's cologne, and he and they're on they're on a, a cruise ship or whatever, and he throws them overboard, one of them on fire, the other one with a bomb strapped to him, and he blows up and he hits the water, so. Pretty good deaths. And a baked Alaska. Baked Alaska, yeah. <laughs> did he have like a did he have a catchphrase for the I love the deaths, you're right. Like yeah. that makes a difference in the thing. And then if he has a good catchphrase, like if it was a baked Alaska, he'd be like, careful, those calories go right to your hips. Yeah, his his, <laughs> his one liner on that one, because what he did was uh he kind of did this move where he grabbed the guy's hands and pulled him between his legs with his coattails or something. And then he kind of somehow, it was really confusing, but he somehow he strapped the bomb to his, his ass and threw him overboard. And, and you're like, what's the, Oh, he, he left with his tail between his legs. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he finds the right anchorage. <laughs> Alaska, Alaska joke. I can see oh, from, I thought it was a ship joke. from here. <laughs> nice. All right. And it works on several levels. It sure does. Hey, all right. Number four. On. My number four. Uh, yeah, Steve might have this because I know he's got a penchant for this <laughs> and including this actress. My, my four is a woman, too. Huh. I am. Uh, equal- You've earned a little leeway with me. Fox. OK, I am an equal opportunity hench person. <laughs> my number four is Famke Jensen's character, Xenia Sergeyevna on a top. Mm-hmm. He's going to derail us. Steve, I know you're a fan, right? I would go to Russia with lustiness. <laughs> <laughs> with relish. Her, the, I'm not a huge fan. I know lots of people are, especially people our age that had a Nintendo 64, are huge fans of Goldeneye. And I'm not that big a fan of Goldeneye. But she is the best part. Her, her and Sean Bean, I think, kind of outshine Brosnan in that movie to me. And the leg thing is really good. It, it's like, to me, a good henchman has to has have a thing almost. Mm-hmm. And that being her thing that, I mean, she kills that one guy early on and she's squeezing with her thighs. She's not just squeezing him. She's getting off on it. Um, She really is like orgasming to killing this guy with her thighs. And, that is that that to me was one of the takeaway things from that movie. It's it's a you know everybody loves Goldeneye, but I'm thinking about that kind of stuff um, and how cool Sean Bean was rather than you know playing Goldeneye on Nintendo 64, which I think makes people like that movie more than I don't know maybe not not that it deserves, but I know that that plays a part in how much people like that movie. Um, well, Dave, I think that was no accident. You know, uh, like. Gold, Goldeneye was like the first postmodern Bond, right? And the, them wanting to make uh, a female antagonist who, for whom sex was her way of killing, that's that's sort of like a commentary on like everything that went before with Bond, all the sex he had, all the casualties along the way, and now it's finally coming back to uh, you know to squeeze him. Yeah. 
No, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that because I guess if there are critics of Bond, they will say it's it's very misogynist, um, the old ones. But that was the way kind of things were, um, as far as you know, people's views on stuff like that. So now here comes this, and she and she's the one. She's the deadly one. I guess I never thought about that. Good analysis, Steve. Thank you, Dave. You're welcome. You're really just my puppet for this whole thing. So <laughs> continue to speak my words. I'm happy to be your puppet. She has a great death. Um, she's doing. She's squeezing Bond, and and she ends up getting pulled off him and stuck in kind of like it's almost like a wishbone of a tree. She gets kind of s- stuck in between two the two trunks of a tree, and his catchphrase at her death is, "Show us did enjoy a good squeeze." Which I don't, I don't think it's a great line. It's not. Unless, unless squeeze, unless squeeze has like a slightly different colloquial meaning in Britain. You know, it might. The other thing, uh, I, I like the idea of that death, but if you actually watch, and I, I watched it for this because she's also on my list. Um, oh. It doesn't look like it actually could kill her. You know, it's like the thing's pulling, the cable's pulling her through, but her just like her back's on a tree. Like, how is she dying? I don't understand. <laughs> she wasn't. Well, maybe her, maybe her blood pressure crashed at that moment too. Uh, yeah. And she didn't have her pen on her. So, you know, <laughs> I hope someone got fired for that wonder. Like, <laughs> well, Xenia on top is my number four. Good job. All right. Go ahead, Steve. Okay. Well, uh, Smitty, I was I was worried when you said these two come together that you were gonna we were gonna overlap on this, but I don't think I should have worried. For uh, from the same movie, Diamonds Are Forever. I gotta go with Bambi and Thumper. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, hi there. I'm Bambi. Good morning, Bambi. And I am Thumper. Is there something we can do for you? I can think of several things offhand, but uh, at the moment I'm looking for Willard White. Oh, Willie. Why, he's uh, right out there. And uh, that's all there is to it. (laughs) Not quite. First, we're going to have a ball. Who actually, now that I think about it, were were sort of precursors to Xenia on a top mm-hmm. by what fifteen years or something. In that they're like superb physical specimens who are really enjoying sort of like a, 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 a sexual slash martial thing as they beat them up. They're flipping around in some sort of like some sort of fabulous bungalow. And uh, they even they even deliver uh, a kick. One of them kicks Bond right in the balls, which he <laughs> admirably recovers from. But this could also be considered symbolism mm-hmm. after a spate of movies where, you know, women are dying or he's converting lesbians <laughs> back to heterosexuality by his raw animal magnetism. And here, these two uh, athletic women, Bambi and Thumper, thump him and... Bam him? No, it's not going to work. Hey, I'll give it to you. So there you have it. They're not fleshed out, and I think he gets the best of them, and then threatens to drown them, and they're both instantly like cowed and defeated. But for a few glorious minutes, it's a lot of fun to watch Sean Connery get smacked around. Which is which? Bambi. Oh, do you think they is- even know? Hmm? Do you think the movie I makers even know which is which? Yeah, I mean, like, because I'm, I'm thinking about, like, as I remember one of them, I was just trying to place a name with it. One of them does squeeze him with their thighs, like, around the neck. Mm. I think like Bambi a- Bambi is the one that comes up from the bottom of the cave, and Thumper is the one that hangs down from the roof of the cave. <laughs> I think you're right, Steve. I think I learned that on Arthur. <laughs> so, there, and, and may I add, Smitty, real quick, that uh, Kid and Wint, were horrible in my opinion. I think they were like yeah. a, a really, I think they were the opposite of groundbreaking. I think that they were, they were, it was trading on uh, stereotypes of the time, sort of, of, you know, sinister gay types being really squirrely. Uh, and also Putter Smith was not an actor and it really shows. Yeah. And the other guy, 
I forget who was kid and who was wind, I feel is like acting in a whole other movie and wasn't really given direction on I mean, he's so campy. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I, I can't disagree with a lot of what you just said. Um, and maybe, <clears throat> maybe th- that was like a, a trope at the time, but I, I don't know. I, I felt like they, they did something for me, that archetype. Well, all right. Well defended. All righty, Smitty. All right. Number four? So my number four is a, uh, obvious one, but I, I thought he, he deserved to be on, on my list. Um, you guys are probably going esoteric, so maybe he won't be on your lists. Um, one of the only ones, if not the only ones to be in multiple movies, y'all know who I'm talking about. Richard Kill himself. Jaws. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's gotta be on lists. Yeah. I mean, it's not yeah. on mine, but that's, a, that's like, if people think of this, that that's probably the first one they think of. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as we know, he started off in, in Spy Who Loved Me, reappears in Moonraker, turns to good at the end dies on the space station with his newly found girlfriend and uh you know it's sweet <laughs> but i mean the the funny and you say a henchman has to have his thing clearly he has his thing it's all he has right it's the yeah. teeth and he i i'll grant you know i'll grant okay he's got these super strong metal teeth he can bite through things but it doesn't necessarily grant you the jaw strength to bite through things <laughs> so whatever that's fine but yeah. what's your what's your favorite Jaws line? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Does he have any? Me too. <laughs> wow. My favorite one is when he uh, makes sure Shooter McGavin lets Happy Gilmore make the putt. <laughs> Different continuity, Dave. Ah, uh, that's not in the same universe. That's not Jaws and Happy Gilmore. Only in my fan fiction. Mm. Your fan fiction. Yeah, that's got to be on list, right? If that one wasn't on a list, if anyone was listening to this, they'd turn the sucker right yeah, off, right? Yeah, exactly. And all with right. all with all uh, reports, Richard Keel was a really nice guy. He came to conventions. He loved the fans and, you know, so. Is he dead? He is, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. Oh. I think uh, Chris from uh, Star Wars and Character met him at a convention. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he said the same things you just said. He's like he's like a gentle giant kind of dude. Yep. Very cool. All right, my number three is from uh, the most recent Bond, and uh, it is Mister Hanks, played by Dave Bautista, Inspector. Mainly for the fight. I mean, he's like, I'm, I know people like Dave Bautista and Guardians of the Galaxy is huge and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know if we're going to do a list of uh, maybe Bond fights. This will be on my list. They have this fight. It's to me a fight for the ages because I've said this on other, even other best of fives or other Grady's things um, that I think Daniel Craig is, is the best Bond of all time and mainly because of his physicality. All of these guys, I'm sure they're they're wonderful people and, you know, would do well in a fight. But if I had to not fight any one of these guys, it would be Daniel Craig. He, to me, is the most menacing, imposing, physically bond of them all. He really walks the walk more than any of them do. And the two of them have this fight on a train uh, in that film. And it is insane. It's... Uh, <sighs> It's it's really it looks like a real fight like it could have been a real fight, um, and Mister Hanks actually really wins the fight. At one point, he's on fire. Uh, it's amazing, and he really does get the best of Bond. Bond ends up like running away from him, and he's only killed through uh, you know a series of kind of he actually gets killed by beer kegs, <laughs> which that's how I want to go. Yeah, I was like, yeah, if you're gonna go, you might as well go that way. Um, but gets yanked off the train. Um, but really, if you want to say who wins that fight, 
even though he does end up dying in the end, it's Mr. Hanks. He beats the shit out of James Bond, and not many henchmen can say that in the history of Bond. So just for that alone, Mr. Hanks is my number three. You know, it's it's amazing for a series that is constantly like respawning itself, how often it repeats stuff, mm-hmm. go, going back to the well. And obviously, Bond fights on a train with Red Grant and from Russia with love. Red Grant seems to make a lot of lists of like best villains. Yeah. Uh, right. for, for mostly all the reasons that you just said there, Dave. Yeah, he it's does fantastic. get the better of Bond in, in that scene for a while. Yeah, it's really good. And and to me, the, he he's throwing Craig through, you know, like a door and the door shattering. The stunts in that scene are great. And I think part of the reason they're great is because I think it's them. I think it's them a lot of the time, um, including when Batista's on fire. It's, it's really, really well done. And uh, just it, to me, it's a, like a legendary kind of fight. He doesn't do a whole lot else in the movie. There's... There's there's a little bit here and there from what I remember, but that that scene alone made a big impression on me, and he's my number three. All right, Steve. All right. So I'm I'm looking at my list here, and I was toggling back and forth between these two. They're in the same movie, and that's Goldfinger. And I was at first I was going to say Odd Job, who I think act next to Jaws is like the next henchman that most people think of as most Agreed. memorable. Agreed. Uh, yeah, and I was going to go with that simply because of how I, I don't even know what the word is for. It's not gimmicky, but he's got an awesome gimmick. But he has no lines, so he has really no inner life. Uh, so I, he's going to get edged out by Pussy Galore, who I had mentioned just a few <laughs> minutes ago. Honor Blackman. Who are you? My name is Pussy Galore. I must be dreaming. Um, because uh, she is, <clears throat> not because she is so insanely hot, but because she presents such the the perfect temptation for Bond, and then she's not having any of it, at least initially. Um, and then she's got her squadron of flying bee girls. Uh, and, and for that name, the audacity. Yeah. If I may plug a product of that whole thing. <laughs> Uh, and she can, you know, she can fly a plane when she has to. So and I've got a whole lot to say about that, but she was major. She was groundbreaking. This is an original Fleming character too. So like, that's, that's like that name alone. I mean, for yeah. 1950, <clears throat> whatever, 1959, that's mm-hmm. crazy racy. Yeah. Right. And I guess that birthed all the innuendo laden names that came after it. Yeah. And including all the Austin Powers ones. Sure. Yeah, that became that j- just her as a choice is great because of of uh what the series ends up being known for. Like when people spoof Bond, that's the kind of stuff they spoof. It's the names like that. Mm-hmm. So, that's a good choice. It's true. Um <clears throat> I I was thinking about putting her on my list for those reasons, but for the almost similar reasons I, I didn't want to because the name to me is so over the top mm-hmm. and the fact that he does turn her straight like that. Those two things are so offensive in a character to me that I was like, okay, I can't deal. <laughs> I'm not putting her on the list. <laughs> so the creepy gay hitmen, not offensive, right? Okay. They're, they're amusing. <laughs> but this, <laughs> And I agree with you. I mean, it's it's so it's so hilariously uh, misguided. Yeah, I mean, and entertaining at the same time. It is amazing that they got that name, not only in that character but in Octopussy, right? On mm-hmm. yeah, in a ma- in major movies. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, and him turning her like that may be the most unrealistic thing in a film series where <laughs> there is an invisible car. Right. Okay. So, um, my number three is again, is another, uh, classic. Um, and I figured being, being the first of the series, I can, I can fall back on some, some, uh, classics here. I don't, I didn't need to dig too deep. Oh, what I was realizing when you were talking about, uh, Dave Bautista from Spectre is that 
I agree that uh, Daniel Craig is my favorite Bond for all the reasons you stated. Um, plus, plus the writing in the okay. movies is also tends to be a lot tighter than in the other ones, except for Quantum of Solace. Um, yeah, but I then I realized I don't have any well, good. Daniel Craig stuff on my list or for the next list. Uh, well, well, I was noticing that because there are databases for yeah. this, like you said, and you even sent us some resource material. You you look at something like this, um, where and the henchmen. And an, another list that we're going to do later, as they get into the Craig era, they they go away a lot. They they relied on this kind of stuff more so in the older ones than they do in right. the Craig ones. The Craig ones, like like you said, they're just well written, very well made action movies, and it doesn't even really. You could make these movies and not have them be James Bond. It could be a different character that Daniel Craig's playing. They do. Of course, some of the things, but that stuff does go away as time goes on. Maybe because this renaissance of James Bond with Daniel Craig, they're 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 thinking, well, we don't need that stuff anymore. We can just make a good movie. Yeah. So it, it, it I agree with you. It's it's not as much yeah, a thing anymore. You make a good point there. I, I actually no good. Sorry, go on. I only think that two of the four Daniel Craig movies are good. And that's a, fair, that's a fair I point, too. I mean, you know, I as much as I, I love Daniel Craig, I can't remember most of Spectre, even though I've seen it twice. Well, and Spectre, is a, like I said, is a lot of recycled elements. Yeah. But man, those two are really good. <laughs> yeah, I think he's three, a th- three out of four. I don't know anyone that likes Quantum of Solace. Right. The only thing I've heard a, good about it. If you do, it, we don't want you as a listener. <laughs> The only thing I've heard good about, about it is if you watch it back to back with um, Casino Royale, it, it works right. a lot better. Yeah, so I remember. So much shorter. That tells you right there that they didn't really <laughs> believe in their material. Well, I mean, the the whole story, of course, you probably, probably know is that the the writer's strike was happening and they didn't have a script, and Daniel Craig mm-hmm. and the director were kind of making it up as they went. So he knows they know <laughs> that, that ex- it's terrible. That explains the tap dancing number. No. <laughs> Anyway, so my number three um, is uh, Nick Knack from The Man with the Golden Gun, our friend uh, uh, Hervé Villachez. Bonjour, Monsieur Bond. I am Nick Knack. Don Perignon 64. I prefer the 62 myself. Still, beats a bag of peanuts. Monsieur Scaramanga will welcome you personally. speaking in what can only be termed a mockery of a French accent, even though he's French. <laughs> uh, it's just so over the top. And I mean, it's, it's a Roger, Roger Moore era. It's silly. They were all silly at that point. He's cast because he's a little person and he's got a funny accent and he can, and he was probably famous from family or family from fantasy Island at the time or not. Maybe this was before that. I don't remember. Yeah, I was going to ask you if this is before, or during, or after. Yeah, I would hope it would be during or after. Just anyway, but he has, you know, he in a silly way he gets the better of Bond. When you think it's all over and Scaramanga has been defeated, and he's Bond is making out with the girl. Here comes Knickknack, and he starts messing around and beating up Bond in a very silly way and throwing bottles at him and stuff. And then he's, of course, taken out in a very undignified way as well. But, you know, for him, for a few minutes, he was getting the better of Bond, and, and you know, you got to give that to him. Plus, he had these great little sort of one-liners throughout the movie and when Bond didn't know what was going on and he was leading him around. So he, he was like, he, he knew how to get things done, you know? A very tall order, Mr. <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to add one more. Go on. I'm looking up where <laughs> the man with the golden gun. Fantasy Island was on from 1977 to 1984, and man with golden gun came out in 1974. So this Ooh. was pre Fantasy Island. Wow. He got Fantasy Island because yeah. of the man with the golden gun. <laughs> and just one time, I would have loved to have seen an episode of Fantasy Island where Ricardo Montalban pulls out a gun made of gold. <laughs> That would nice. be perfect. <laughs> All right. We're up to number two, right? Mm-hmm. Number two. We're down two. That's true. My number two. You guys are going to hate me, 
probably lots of people that are still listening will. But my my favorite Bond, I didn't say the best Bond. My favorite Bond is Timothy Dalton. <laughs> and uh, I love those two movies. <laughs> They're so bad. <laughs> and I love them. But saying that, The Living Daylights contains the second greatest henchman, in my opinion. And it's Necros. Is that Joe Don Baker? <laughs> no, I love Joe Don Baker, but it's not him. Played by a guy named uh, Andreas Wisniewski. Well, I'm not convinced. Necros can do it. I've worked with the Russians. My appearance and methods are well known to them. It could jeopardize my comrades struggling for world revolution who depend upon me. And they depend upon me. Well, so your friend's going to find a steady supply of arms, huh? And I love this because of, like, you're talking about camp. This was this was the 80s, and it was like, this was the one of the campiest things ever. This guy was all over the place. And he was kind of menacing, but I love him because he does like all these like impersonations in the movie. He he ends up playing like a bunch of different characters to infiltrate. He's almost like Fletch, but he's bad. Like so, he, and I know of your long time your love for the Fletch character. Oh yeah, like so this guy, this guy, he he will assume a personality to infiltrate. At one point, he's a. He's like an Austrian hot air balloon salesman. My favorite one, he plays this Cockney milkman at one point. And, and then he uses the milk that he's carrying become like exploding milk bombs. <laughs> They're like Molotov cocktails, but with milk. At one point, he's a jogger, and he I think he strangles a guy with his old Sony Walkman. I mean, you could tell it was the 80s because he had the Walkman, and he strangles a guy with the cord and the Walkman. This guy, this thing was out to lunch. It was great. <laughs> this is also why you're a big fan of uh, Bruce Willis and the Jackal, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> State of the art. <laughs> Man of a thousand accents and mustaches. Sure. Just keep a mustache in your pocket at all times. You'll probably need it. This guy was all over the place, and I really, really enjoyed it. It was cheesy 80s goodness, and because of that, Necros is my number two. Nice. That was definitely the better of the two Dalton movies. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not really saying much, I guess, huh? It was pretty good. It was cheesy and fun and silly. But like the second, the license to kill was just unwatchable. <laughs> which of the which of the two world wars was a better world yeah. war? <laughs> but I watched license. I watched license to kill whenever it's on as well. So you'll never sway me. All right, fair enough. What is yours? What's your number two, uh, Steve? My number two has got to be from Live and Let Die, the man of very few words but much laughter, Baron Samadhi. Good morning, boss. Morning. It's still going to be a beautiful day. <laughs> yes, a beautiful day. They're heading for the hill. Who is, uh, it's, well, it's hard to say whether he is... A, a actual, a physical man embodying the voodoo uh, legend of you know, the god, which is sort of what voodoo is based on entirely, is if you, you know, the, if you're an ignorant a peasant, then you, you, you believe in the fear. Uh, but he would appear to be killed and then shows up in that stinger at the very end. Hell yeah. On the back of the train to laugh at you, the audience, and you're left to wonder... Are we yeah. all just playing in Baron Samdi's snow globe? <laughs> but he shows yeah. up. Jeff, Jeffrey Holder, who's a, was a singer and, and a dancer, a Broadway choreographer. Uh, and it really works wonderfully. His, his wardrobe is excellent. And uh, that laughter, it just it, it stays with you. How, that, how does a secret agent beat a god? That's a good choice. Yeah. He was, that's, that, that's a really good choice because that's a memorable one like off the top of your head like yeah yeah that's a good one damn it steve he, he was on my short list i like i like him a lot was he and hervey villachez wasn't on your short list oh, oh. Ah. good night everybody <laughs> that's mean <laughs> yeah i like that guy from annie 
Sure, and all the Seven Up commercials. And this, yeah. What? No, that's Orlando Jones. <laughs> Crisp and clean. Get out of here, whatever. you millennial. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was he the voice of some Seven Up commercials? No, he did the Seven Up commercials no. in the eighties. Yeah, oh, you're, okay. too, you're too young. Ah, ah, ah. Seven Up. Ah. Never he had did the same laugh. Never will. Yeah, it I'm was the same character. You think. Baron Sandy was hawking Seven Up in the eighties. <laughs> he was, and he was Punjab and Annie. Right. So he wasn't all bad. What if it was the same character? Right. Like killing Bond by day, taking care of a redheaded orphan by night. <laughs> and then mixing Your up seven up. of a Baron Samdi based multiverse is intriguing. <laughs> yeah. I like it. He was seven. also Frederick Douglass. <laughs> seven up running through his veins. I like this. Well, uh, thank uh, you. I'm, uh, glad you. I'm glad you like that choice. Get, get on yeah. it. Write, write that story. <laughs> All right, Dave, what's your number two? So my number two is uh, our first re- repeat. Uh, it's uh, Xenia on a top. Um, I'll allow it. And for all the reasons you already said, she's fun. She was the first, you know, she was the, like a, the first fun, you know, female henchman who kicked ass in the new world, in the new, you know, the in the Bond. What was the first Bond uh, Brosnan movie? Um. And man, yeah, like like you said, man, Femke Jensen is hot in that, and she's Ugh. sexual through the whole thing, and she's enjoying it. She is just having a ball with that role, to the point where when they're in the train and they're about to crash or something, she says something like, "We're going to die," and she's she's basically salivating at the thought. You know, it it just that's right cracks me up. Oromoff looks at her like. You are crazier than I even <laughs> yeah. initially hired you for. Yep. Yeah. No, she, she owns that role and, and you're right. It probably that move without her, either without that character or without her playing that character, that movie suffers greatly, even though it is in my opinion, the best, uh, uh, of the Brosnan movies. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, she, she's always been a, a favorite of mine. Awesome. And that was really, I mean, not that other than X-Men, she has just kind of been a character actress, but uh, that was really like her first real thing. I mean, I'm on our, her IMDb page. She was in some TV shows. Yeah, she yeah. was on an episode of Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, that's um, right. Oh, yeah. She was, on, she was on Melrose Place. Damn. Do you remember Model by Day? No. Uh, I don't know if it was a pilot or if it was a one-off TV movie. But she is literally a model during the day and then a vigilante at night. I like it. 1993. I wonder if that's what got her uh, cast in GoldenEye. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about her. She is another, like we're talking about physicality, and she's got it. Um, It's probably what got her the X-Men movies. She is a, a physical actress. Uh, even in the Taken movies, like as Neeson's wife, like you feel like she can, she could kick a little ass herself. I like her. Definitely. She's had an underrated career other than being Jean Grey, but uh, I think she's great. Yeah. And then in the third movie, when she, when she was going to be the big thing, uh, like the movie was a pile of poo. (laughs) Pile of poo. I blame Brett Ratner. Definitely. No, well, I blame, I blame, um, geez, now I can't remember his name. Oh, Brian Singer, who was going to direct the third movie, but left to do Superman Returns, and then they brought in Brett Ratner, who ruined it. Yeah. Superman Returns an even bigger pile of <laughs> <laughs> This is why I blame Joe Biden for the current state of our country. <laughs> why didn't you do the job I wanted you to do? <laughs> Best of five, colon, best of bond getting political. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's in the contract here. It explicitly says don't do that. All right, best of five yeah. secretaries of the treasury. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Sam and Chase, we're all agreed. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that means we are down to our number ones, the best bond henchmen and uh, I'm pleased to go first. This character has been mentioned by Steve. To me, it's the greatest Bond henchman, and it is Donald Red Grant. What was it? The stuff you put in a drink? Chloral hydrate. Quick, but mild. And? Take it easy, 07. 
My escape route's only for one. What are you after? The girl or the lector? Um, awesome. I think when I started, I made a conscious decision that I was going to watch all of the Bond movies. I think I started borrowing them from you, Steve, on VHS. And watch them in order because, like you said, some people show repertory movies, and I think a couple of couple of us had gone to see Doctor No um, in Allentown. Yeah, we saw that thirty five millimeter. It was great. It wasn't an original print because it looked too good. <laughs> it was probably a reprint, but who cares? You know, um, saw Golden or saw Doctor No, and I decided at that point I just saw this. I'm going to watch them all in order, and borrowed from Russia with Love with You, and it became not only instantly one of my favorite Bond movies, but one of my favorite movies, I think. It's really, really well done, and a lot of it has to do with Robert Shaw. I don't know a lot about Robert Shaw's career, but I know he's in two movies, and he's freaking awesome in both of them. And I love the way that movie starts with what you are, are, and I went into this cold not knowing. You know, I'm I'm watching this like a person would have watched it on the big screen in the 60s to see Robert Shaw strangle James Bond with a very cool, you know, wristwatch kind of choke deal in the opening scene. It's kind of startling. And you know, right off the bat that this is a guy that you don't mess with, um, plays a specter assassin. Um, the, it's a great fight and he ends up being killed in the, that very strange way. And I looked it up today. It's called a, 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 a garrote. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't know this was a real thing. It's a real thing. What, strangling somebody with a piece it's, of string? Yeah. <laughs> no, like like this, it's like this whole thing. It, it almost is like it was used, I, I looked at it, was fascinating today, I looked it up. Um, it's a chair then that you, was used as a public execution device. And I I kept looking it up. There was, there was all kinds of instances where it was used. It was a real thing. It was actually used by, and I'm a big Indiana Jones fan, by the real thuggy cult in India to put people to death. And and I think it's called death for that character in the film as well. Um, but with that blonde hair and his size, you feel like he could go toe-to-toe with Bond and really pulls it off well. Um, and for all those reasons, Donald Grant is my all-time greatest Bond henchman. Well, even if the rest of your stuff had been like even more out there, I think you would redeem yourself with that one. Okay. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, that's a pretty mainstream, like, you know, like he's been mentioned. Um, when Dave brought up this list, he's the, he's my instant first reaction is is Robert Shaw. I would even say that his part could be called more than just a henchman. Okay. And so he's he, creeping into the, the main villain kind co-villain. of Co-villain. I think sometimes the term dragon is used. Nice. Thank you. Well, I'm using it. Screw you, Steve. That's no, that's that's totally fine. Uh, if if you're like me, you saw Robert Shaw in Jaws first. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and then and he he's just you know it's an incredible part, but he's very grizzled. And then to go back and see that he was also like like an urbane, menacing, killer type role as well it was cool. And he is also very good in Robin Marion, where he plays this aging sheriff of Nottingham. Okay. Uh, which he did right after Jaws, as a matter of fact. I love him, and I don't know. I've only seen those two movies. I think the guy's great. And it's like when when we grew up watching Jaws, when you see him in this, you're like he's to me. He's a guy that you think was never young in his life, right? <laughs> like he he's Quint, and then you see him young, and he's like handsome. It's like holy shit, that's Quint. So yeah, what's yours, Steve? Number one. My number one is also from Russia with Love. But it's not it's not Red Grant. I gotta go with Rosa Kleb. Donald Grant, convicted murderer, escaped Dartmoor Prison in nineteen sixty, recruited in Tangier in nineteen sixty-two. Excellent. Where is he now? At the lake. Bring him to my office, will you? Take me to the lake. She's the uh she's like she maybe the main villain in the piece, although I I guess she's working for for Spectre, so she's right. not the, ultimately the main villain, but she sets into motion these various machinations. She's this, well, you know, she's that this small woman. She's very, very perfectly drawn as the, I guess, the West's 
worst nightmare about what was behind the Iron Curtain. Right. But this very uh, this, a sexless woman, sort of a robot whose only mission was, you know, to bring about the downfall of the West, even though she's, she's not actually working for the communists. She's pretending to, she also, as is probably well known is, uh, was the inspiration for Frau Farbissina <laughs> in the Austin powers movies. Sky! Exactly. And, uh, and Mindy, Mindy Sterling is channeling her there perfectly. Um, let's, let's and not course, make it weird. This isn't weird. Is it? <laughs> got a little impatient <laughs> uh, and then she gets to um, finally she's got she gets I guess comes closest to getting Bond even after the other baddies are dispatched with that knife in the shoe yeah she's got which the is, knife when she's dressed like the maid yeah which definitely put me off the maid fantasy for a long long time <laughs> really that, that turned it on for me well, all right. I'm looking forward to number one. <laughs> so that there you have it. There's uh, Rosa Club. I don't know. Maybe it feels a little anticlimactic, but uh, no, that's good. I was I was got, hoping menace. There was so many on, on that I couldn't fit on the list that that you guys got to that I'm 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 happy. And everything that you're saying about like like you have to when you watch these movies remember what the climate in the world was, and that makes the movie better. Like. To watch this now, it's almost like, uh, well, maybe not now, but in the past couple of years, it was, it was like, it's like, ah, that was the old days. Uh, but to, to think what those people felt when they were watching that then, that makes this even better. Because she is, you're right, she's the personification of what people thought about what was going on over there. She's just really well done. All right, Dave. Smitty. All right. Well, not to also be anticlimactic, but. I think this guy deserves a place. Uh, he's our, our favorite, already been mentioned. Not our favorite, our friend with no lines, the odd job. Both of us know perfectly well what we are talking about, Mr. Bond. But I see that it is necessary to remind you. Odd job! Many people have tried to involve themselves in my affairs, unsuccessfully. Remarkable. But what does the club secretary have to say? Oh, nothing, Mr. Bond. I own the club. Played by Howard Cicada. Oh, do we have to say the in front? I didn't know. Uh, no, I just said it just to, to build him up a little bit more. You know, <laughs> he's a one-note character, kind of. He's got he's got his, his uh, you know, decapitation hat, bowler hat. He doesn't have any lines. I don't even spoke English. He, he's like a Korean wrestler or something that they got for this. But uh, like you say, with the um, Femke Jensen's physicality, he he acts through his actions, you know, and he I don't know. He's very enjoyable. I probably saw him at the age where I was fascinated by like the East and Asian stuff and martial arts. And, you know, it was just whole, uh, a lot of fun to see him. And uh, I had to put him on the list. Yeah, you're right. He was he was a Japanese wrestler. No, oh, he's Japanese. OK. Yeah. He was born in Hawaii. He actually died in Hawaii. Oh. Japanese American, I guess. I mean, if he was yeah. born in Hawaii, he was an Olympic weightlifter. So this guy was a real athlete. Yeah. This is great. It's like when a lot of the old movies, the in the Sean Connery, Roger Moore era, the fight choreography. Some of these guys are not professional fighters, and you can tell, right? The on both sides, Bond and who he's fighting. When they're in the final thing and Bond and Oddjob are squaring off and like Bond picks up Oddjob's hat and starts aiming it at him, Oddjob goes into a fighting stance and, and sidesteps around. You're like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing, you know? And it's yeah, just... he's trained. Yeah, it's obvious that he's different from all these other actors. <laughs> he was... Listen to this. He is the 1948 silver medalist in the Olympics in London as a U.S. weightlifter. Damn. Well, that was a bad year for weightlifting, so you can't really judge it on that. <laughs> Why do you always have to naysay, Steve? <laughs> Fine, never mind. It was great. He's good. He's <laughs> could definitely pick up a lot more than I could. <laughs> All right. Usually on the best of fives, we go one one time last uh, you know, through a recap of our, of our top five. So uh, I'll do that. My number five was 
Mayday from A View to a Kill. Uh, number four was Xenia Onatop from uh, 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 Goldeneye. Number three was Mr. Hinks from Spectre. Number two was Necros from The Living Daylights. And my number one was Donald Red Grant from From Russia with Love. What about you, Steve? My number five was Dr. Kaufman from Tomorrow Never Dies. My number four, they're a package deal. That's Bambi and Thumper from Diamonds Are Forever. Number three, I went with Pussy Galore from Goldfinger. Number two, The Baron Samdi from Live and Let Die. And number one, Agent Rosa Kleb from, from Russia with Love. Very nice. And what about you, Smitty? All right. Uh, my number five, uh, Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid from Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, number four was Jaws from The Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker. Number three, Knickknack from The Man with the Golden Gun. Number two, Xenia on a Top from GoldenEye. And number one, Odd Job from Goldfinger. All right, gentlemen, that was well done. If you're uh, still with us, uh, get on our Facebook page on NeoZaz. Uh, for NeoZaz, let us know yours because uh, that's one of the fun things about doing these lists is people telling you, oh, you missed this, or you're an idiot because you picked this. Like, I like hearing that kind of stuff. So please chime in on uh, our social media. Neozaz is on Twitter as well. Um, And stay tuned because we plan on doing, uh, like I said, a a chain of these best of fives, the best of Bond. So tune in next time when, uh, when we tackle another Bond subject. Thank you.